Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan starts a new series called Renew Hope with a sermon titled, Who Am I? Scripture comes from Exodus 3, 1 through 22, and is read by Joellen Mitchell. Our scripture today is from Exodus 3, 1 through 12. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was burning, was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here I am. And then he said, come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land and to bring them up to a land of, to a good and spacious land in a land flowing with milk and honey in the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppressed them. Now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. As you saw in the, the video from Boris Stewart's at the beginning of the service, our our pledge campaign, the theme is Renew Hope, and so that's also going to be our sermon series from now until November 12th, Renew Hope. And what does that mean to renew hope? As uh, we said in the video, it was, it's renewing our hope in new hope, it's renewing our own hope, renewing our faith. Um, and sometimes, oftentimes, we think of hope as, as this feeling that we have, but it's more of an action, Right? To continue to have hope, it's an action to do things to continue to work for that world that you believe that this world can be a better place. 
So hope isn't just a feeling, but it's doing something. And uh, to figure out how to renew your hope, maybe we have to do a few things to do that as well. So the next uh, couple weeks, three weeks, we have uh, a question for each Sunday that I think will help us renew our vision, renew our hope together. And today the question we're asking is, who am I? Have you ever thought of that question at any time in your life? Who am I? Maybe it came after uh, losing a job. Maybe it came after a a profound time of grief where it feels like everything uh, about you just gets stripped away. Maybe it's a time where you started a new job or when you became a parent or a grandparent. There's many times in our lives that change us and make us ask, who am I? And there's different versions of us throughout life, right? Uh, The version of you in your 20s is a lot different than who you are now. The version of you uh, in the future is different than who you are now. And it's supposed to be that way because we're supposed to grow. We're supposed to continue to discover who we are and who God has called us to be. Um, I don't know if any of you remember these. the WWJD bracelets, really big in the 90s. I had a ton of them. Uh, they've also, I think, made some kind of comeback in the recent years. Uh, but this was meant as having a bracelet on your wrist to remind you what would Jesus do in this scenario. And it was meant to help you cultivate your faith, think about it more on a daily basis. But the question I have when I look at the, those bracelets now is, what would Jesus do? It depends on what version of Jesus you're thinking of. Because we as a Christian tradition have many different versions of Jesus because we have many different traditions, right? And we all claim the same Jesus, but yet the way we view the identity of Jesus is a little bit different from tradition to tradition. So how do you know what Jesus would do if your version of Jesus is a Jesus that comes and, and is going to burn everything that does not work towards the kingdom of God, that Jesus is going to come and judge. And so that's a different type of Jesus when you think of that. Or is it the Jesus of compassion and love? That changes then what would Jesus do as well? What version and identity of God that, that you know to be true, that you see God to be, influences how you're going to say this is what Jesus would do. And a more simple way to say this is from A.W. Tozer. He said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And what he means by that is that our perception of God significantly shapes how we see ourselves and others. How we view God, how we see God, changes how we live in this world. So what God do you think of when God pops up? And I think it connects to our story today from Exodus and to understand the connection between God's identity and our own, uh, we got to explore the encounter with God at the burning bush. Uh, Moses' initial perception of God is... We don't know really, like the chapters before this, it's just telling the story of Moses, of being born and, you know, put in the basket on the river, and then uh, he had killed uh, uh, um, 
uh, Hebrew when he was a slave and he fleed and now he's with this family and he's, he's living the quiet life, right? And so there isn't a whole lot in there about his relationship with God, right? So maybe this is the first encounter he has with God or maybe he just knows God through the religious tradition. And God says in there, I am the God of your, your forefathers, of, and it's giving him the history. That's the identity that God is giving Moses of who God is. It's the God that continues to be faithful to your ancestors and to you. I am the God of history. Now, Moses' initial perception of God is influenced by his own self-identity as someone with limitations because God is calling him to go free the slaves in Egypt. And what does he say? Who am I to do that? He has limitations. He knows he can't do that. Why is God asking me to do this? That's not who I am. I'm a quiet farmer. I'm taking care of this land and this family that I married into. That's not me. He also, God also tells Moses to take his sandals off. He's walking on holy ground. And I think this is significant in a way if we read it as God making Moses aware of something he wasn't aware of before. It's not like it changed, the ground changed. Rabel says Moses doesn't take his sandals off because suddenly the ground becomes holy. The ground had been holy the whole time. The story is about Moses becoming aware of it. He's also becoming aware of who he is and his identity in God and who God has called him to be and who God created him to be as well. You kind of need some kind of awareness to ask the question, who am I, right? You have to have awareness of who you are and how your actions affect other people. Um, and if you have never thought of that before, well, I invite you to think about it. It's becoming aware of who you are and how you affect others and yourself. And so God's making Moses aware. God's making us aware through this story as well. So Moses experiences God's presence in the burning bush, and his perception begins to shift. He hears the call by God to go free the slaves in Egypt. It shifted his self-identity, that he's no longer this person he thought he was, but now he is a liberator, he is someone that goes and stands up to power, and he's someone that frees those who God calls him to free. I think some of us have had moments in our lives where our whole identity changes as well, right? Some of us have gone through profound loss and grief that whenever there's a huge loss, there's always this kind of before time and after time. And that before time, you can look at yourself and say, I don't even recognize that person anymore because I have changed so much on the other side. Our identity can change that way in which God is moving in our world and calling us to be the people of God. So how can we apply this understanding to our lives and relationship with others? I think the influence of God's identity is the influence on our own identity. As we said earlier with the what would Jesus do bracelet, it really depends on what you think of God. What are you going to do in that moment? That really changes how you affect others, how you treat others, how you treat yourself. 
For example, if, if you think of God mostly as this God of uh, love, maybe there's going to be more times where you try and have more empathy and compassion for others to figure out how can I let this person know that they are loved and that they are a child of God. If you think of God that way, it can open you up to more. But if you are someone who primarily thinks of God as a judge, of God as somebody who comes in and says that you can't do this or that, maybe there's judgment and a feeling of superiority that comes with it. That changes yourself and how you affect people. And I've, uh, in my lifetime, I've lived in a way where I view God as judge. And I could tell you for my own self, it has done a lot of... Um, speaking for myself, has done a lot of damage, especially internally. There's this voice called the self-critic we all have inside our heads, right? It's that voice that says, oh, you screwed up big time, or you failed, or you're not worthy, or you're not loved, or you'll never be enough. That's that self-critic in your head. And this kind of makes that self-critic go and run crazy, all right? And it's, it's a feeling of, when I lived with kind of God as this judge, there was always living in fear. Fear that I may not measure up, that I may not do enough good things that God will accept me. I remember as a, as a kid uh, going to bed every night and and saying that, uh, the, that sinner's prayer, right, to accept Jesus into my heart, because I was worried it didn't stick from the night before, or that I did something wrong that day, and that changed my place with God. And then that, that critical voice inside your head is constantly telling you that you're not enough. That's what that, that's the fruit that I believe that that produces, and if you've been taught your whole life that God is just this, this judge and God is all-powerful and that God is going to uh, vanquish your enemies, all those things are in Scripture, but I think we take them in different ways more literally than what we should. Because above all, in Scripture, God is, taught, is a God of love, a God that continues to work towards reconciliation and redemption for all things. God is a jealous God, and we say that often when we talk about idols. So then we think about, well, God's going to be very upset with you if you have an idol. But really what it means is God is jealous, and God's not going to let anybody slip from his hands. There's not a thing in this earth that won't be redeemed by Christ and God's work in this world. So our perception of God is not static. It can change as we seek his presence. Now here's a list of just uh, some that I thought of of different identities of God throughout the Bible. We have creator, sustainer, liberator, provider, shepherd, healer, judge, redeemer, Holy Spirit, rock, light, love, merciful, gracious. All of these identities and attributes of God they can they could take primary spot in our lives at some point, right? That maybe in this season of your life, you're primarily thinking of God as a God of love. Then there's another time in your life where God is the God that heals. 
And that changes how you view the world and view others and treat others. And if we go towards more of the the warrior, king of kings, or judge, those type of things, then then we're in a place where where we really want justice in our world. That's what it's about. It's about having a God who's on your side, who's going to take care of things, who's going to take care of those who have treated you poorly. And that's a human feeling as well. There's going to be times where we want God to be that too. So discovering our true identity in God's presence, as Moses did, he he discovered his true identity in the presence of God through the burning bush. And how can we, as a congregation and people, do that as well? Of course, the church answer is through more study and reading of scripture and prayer, right? Those are always things that help us. Those are things that help us cultivate our faith and learn more and know more. Because when we know more about scripture and what God calls us to, then we'll know better of what to do when we have that moment where we say, what would Jesus do? I think living into maybe some of that, taking that self-critic and putting it in the background and living into what God says about us helps us as well. Going back to the A.W. Tozer uh, quote about um, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. It helps us relate to each other in a different way. gives us our own self-identity. So if I'm thinking of God as that critic or that judgmental God that's always waiting for me to mess up, my identity is always going to be not enough. My identity is always going to be you're going to mess up and fail. And that will also be our, our view of others as well. We'll lose trust for others. We'll, we'll lose faith in other humans. Now, we're not perfect and we will mess up, but if we always think that person's going to fail me or that person's going to abandon me, that has profound impacts on our relationship with one another. So the what would Jesus do bracelets? If we go to the Sermon on the Mound, that's where Jesus talks about the one thing that we we talk about a lot here, the golden rule, to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what Jesus teaches them. So I think the golden rule actually would ask, what would I want? Rather than set the bar so high, to try and know what Jesus would want. The golden rule is brilliant because it's universal and it helps us realize what would I want in that moment and then treat that person accordingly. Because sometimes it could be a huge and long debate of what would Jesus do, right? Get a couple pastors in a room together and say, what would Jesus do in this situation? You'll get 50 different answers. What would Jesus do? Or what would I want? What would I want in that moment? Or what would I need in that moment? If you come across somebody in the grocery aisle and and you could tell that they're having a tough day and maybe they're crying a bit, then you ask yourself, what would I want in that moment? That would be kind of bad for me in some ways because I'm a little bit introverted when I'm out in public and so... Uh, what would I want in that moment? For people to leave me alone. <laughs> so then I would graciously leave them alone. 
But some people don't need that, right? They need a hug. They need somebody to care for them in that moment. I think it's more helpful to think of it in that way rather than what would Jesus do. That puts a lot of pressure on us to know the heart and mind of Jesus at all times. What would I need in that moment? What would I want in that moment? That can help us expand our awareness of the world and people around us, of our own identity as people who get to be participants in this redeeming work that God is doing. So I invite you as a congregation, as individuals, to reflect on how you perceive God and to seek God's presence for a deeper understanding for both yourself and for others. As a church, I think we're going to be keeping this theme of Renew Hope through this whole next year. Uh, Reverend Caressa, we've already talked about that, and she mentioned it in the video. That's the theme for the year with a new pastor. This is a new chapter for New Hope, because it has been a long time since we've had this big of a shift, right? Russ was here for 26 years, unheard of in a lot of places and churches. And so that's a long time since we've called a senior pastor. It's a new time, it's a new dawn, it's a new, a renewed hope that we can cling together, we can learn more about God together and what God's identity is for us. I don't think that changes so much. I think we have good values in place as a church, but how can we live into it more? How can we live into those values that we have of putting people first, inviting people to a big table to find the sacred in the ordinary. Just forgot the other ones. Oh, no. Joy and serving serving, to find joy and serving. And then the holy discontent, the one we all love, yes. These are good values that, that help guide us as a congregation. And so will you join me this year in renewing our hope by renewing our identity in Christ and how we love and take care of one another. Amen. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, May you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.